Good morning, Midland Free. Good morning. Welcome here. My name is Jeremy. Uh, we are very glad you're here to worship with us today. I want to pray just because I know we just did, but I need to, so it'll help me if you'll pray with me. That would be good, too. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your spirit, which reveals your word and your truth to us. We pray that you do that this morning, that you would get all distractions and hindrances and sin and things that bind us out of the way. You would clear our minds and calm our thoughts and prepare our hearts to hear from you. Uh, Help me to communicate well and to um, really be attentive to your spirit and uh, hear what he is saying in this room as we sit and listen to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you're just joining us, or if it's been a couple weeks, what's happening is this. In January, our church started a journey through the book of First Peter. Um, I believe, and I believe we believe here at Midland Free, that the best stuff for us is the Bible, and therefore that's where we spend most of our time, as much as we can, following the path that God has set out for us in his word. And so this series, starting in January and taking us all the way to the summer, is going to be in the book of First Peter, which is a really cool book. Is written to a bunch of suffering Christians in Asia Minor, uh, ancient Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey. And so it's a church, it's in our era, and it has a lot to do with what um, we are going through as well. Although not the same types of persecution, no doubt Christians still suffer for the faith and struggle in their daily walk. So Peter has a lot to say to us, and he begins sort of with this big overarching question like, why in the world should we keep going? I mean, this world is not our home. It's not that fun. It's kind of hard. In fact, I don't really even enjoy it all that much. Why should we travel on? If we are exiles or elect or pilgrims, strangers, not yet in our promised land, why do we keep going? And the answer is this. There is tremendous, tremendous joy ahead. Sure, there's, here's a slide which shows you that. There's seasons in life, of course. There's winter and spring and summer and fall. There's ups and downs and twists and turns, everything in between. But at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, there is tremendous, tremendous joy ahead. Now, that's pretty nebulous, Pastor Jeremy, and I get it. You're saying, you know, in the sweet by and by. No, let me, let me bring that in a little bit more. And what I mean is this. What is the joy ahead? The joy ahead is our full inheritance, the reward of our faith, the salvation of our souls. Okay, that's still pie in the sky, Pastor Jeremy. What are you talking about? I'm talking about absolute perfection. Everything we've ever longed for and dreamed and wanted, when it finally becomes reality, when we have perfect bodies, when we see Jesus face to face, when there's a new heavens and a new earth, where we never have the potential to sin again, and every tear is wiped away, and everything is all good, just like we've always wanted. That's what we're talking about when we say our full inheritance. Everything we desire, everything we need, all of it in one one final swoop completely fulfilled. So we're looking forward to that and we're moving towards that. And it's a promise of God, which means it will come true. And as a result, the way it impacts our lives is this. As we see, here's the slide, we see that joy ahead. And as a result, it gives us hope. And hope is a big one because you lose hope, you're done. I mean, you're kind of like, forget it, whatever, never mind. But if you still have hope, then maybe there's a reason to keep going. And that hope gives you hope for the future, but not just for the future. It gives you strength for today. So whatever we're going for, 
or going through, we can keep going because we know that there's something worth continuing our journey for. So there's tremendous joy ahead. Now, the question then becomes is, okay, so I, I have this inheritance. There's joy ahead. It's going to get better. I'm, I'm supposed to, like the pilot, be focused on that. I'm looking up ahead. I got it. Great. So now what? What do I do today? Like, that's great. Now we've got our perspective in play. How do we live out this inheritance that we've already received? And if you continue then with a financial sort of investment analogy, then what you would say is this, is okay, you have an inheritance. You have something coming. There is a great reward for you. There's tremendous riches up ahead. However, you're not there yet. What instead you received is a seed a deposit, an investment, the Holy Spirit as a down payment on your salvation. You don't have everything in full yet, but you've got something inside of you that's growing. So what do you do? Just sit on the couch and do nothing? No, you take that deposit, you take that thing, and you invest it fully. You grow it. You tend to it. You care to it. You nurture it, and you watch it develop, not with the risk or uncertainty of a stock market, but with the guaranteed promise of God. You invest everything you've got in that one thing. And then it grows and it grows and it grows. And at the end of the day, you get your payoff. And so the question then, I would say for our, our purposes today and for this next section of Scripture is, okay, all right, all right, I believe it. There's joy ahead. There's a deposit in me. It's my job to grow it. How do I do it? What do I do? What do I do to grow this inheritance. And there are two things, two things in particular that the next section of scripture is going to line out and say, these are the two most very important things you can do to grow as a Christian. If you're not a Christian, just listen in and listen up and you'll hear what we're trying to do. We don't always get it right. But these things the Bible tells us are the two most single, most important things we do to grow as believers. Are you ready? Okay, here they are in 1 Peter chapter 2, sorry, chapter 1, beginning verse 22. Chapter 1, verse 22, says this. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since, or on account of the fact, because, the previous verses, you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flowers falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this is the word, the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. And like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So key ingredients for growth, what are they? Well, First Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this. The first thing it says is, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 1 Timothy 1.5 says, when Paul is talking, he says, the aim of our charge is love. Peter, Paul, 
Jesus. Here's what he says. When they ask him, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? He says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And this is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. So the first thing, the first and very most important, the clearest, most biblical thing we are supposed to do to grow as Christians is to love. It starts out and it says, love, 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 love. Love one another earnestly. Now, let's assume for the moment that you buy that and you say, okay, Jeremy, agree. Jesus is right. Paul's right. Peter's right. How do I do that today? Let me give you, first of all, the barrier and then some ways to overcome it. Because I think in each culture, in each time period, in each society, there's probably different ways of going about it. Uh, the same intended outcome, but different things at different times. And what I mean is this. In our culture, I think one of the biggest barriers for loving one another is our busy, disconnected lives. Because we are so busy... Because our society is disenfranchised, because we're all disconnected, you know, social media and garage doors and yada yada, we drive through everything, even almost seems like people sometimes, that the reality is we have lost that connection with each other. And here in First Peter, he is reminding us for spiritual growth, that's one of the most important things in your entire life. You don't have the ability to grow yourself nearly as well as other people do when they come around you. Why is that? Well, other people are people. And so that means they're different from you and they have different strengths and different weaknesses and their weaknesses are going to rub on you a little bit and that's going to refine you and their strengths are going to help build you up. It's just like being on a basketball team or anything else. You may have somebody who's good at one thing and another who's good at another. But when you come together and you participate in, in a group or a team or a body, then you begin to build each other up. And that's the intent of the church. And that's the intent of this thing that Jesus is building in the New Testament is to build us up as believers for the honor and glory of God. So look, here's the barrier. The barrier is our busyness. And then what happens is it... it um, eliminates our consistency we have to travel we got sports teams we got this we got that and as a result a lot of times i'm just going to be really honest here i've talked to people in children's ministry and they'll tell me we can only get people to commit once per month they're only going to be at church once per month now i haven't done the statistics but i wonder how much like what's the percentage i'm just guessing does do we have a 25% change of people every single week because our population is that transient? It may be. It may be more, maybe less. I don't know, but I know this. It's really hard to build relationships if you're all over the place. If you are inconsistent and you can't be continually coming to church in a regular way, it's going to be really hard to feel connected to the body. If you want to grow as a Christian, the Bible tells us specifically, we have to love each other. And we simply can't love each other if we don't show up. We have to show up consistently week after week at church on Sunday mornings at this time and sometimes before and sometimes after in order to grow in the faith. 
the apostle is saying, look, love and listen one another. It's true that we're called to love the entire world. It's true that we're called to love outsiders and non-Christians and unbelievers and all that. But in this section, he's specifically saying love one another. And you just can't love someone who's another Christian if you're not with them. Well, I know there's you know cards and all that. But realistically, the best thing is to come here and be a part. So how do we do that? Well, um, let me give you a little example from the outside world. And I'll show you how you can do it here. Um, I was talking to someone earlier this week. They're in this room now, and I think their head is down, but they're listening. Now it's up. And what they said to me was, they they were talking about the new gym that they are a part of. And they'd been to a couple different gyms, and mostly I'm just like, okay, whichever one's cheapest, that's my gym. And they had a different criteria, and I said, okay, what's that? And they said, well... At this smaller gym, when I come in, the owner knows me, and other people do as well, and they smile at me, and they act like I'm happy, they're happy I'm there. And for something that is kind of hard to do, if I'm going to remain consistent, I want to at least know that wherever I go, they know my name, and they're happy to see me. Like, hmm, I think I feel a sermon illustration coming on here. Look, if if you are consistently attending church, then you can be a part of building the body because what you do is by being there every single week, you can show that you know someone else's name and you're happy to see them. And if it's hard for them to keep coming to church, if it's hard for you to keep coming to church, that's the first step to get them feeling like they're plugged in and part of our team. You need to be consistent. You need to show up weekly. And you need to do your very best. I know names are really hard. They are for me too. But ask them again. And if they don't forgive you, they get to work on forgiveness. Praise the Lord. You need to be consistent. Show up. Smile. Welcome them. Get to know them. And look, if that's hard, I know in this, in a room this size, that's really hard. I mean, realistically, if you're, if you're just coming and going, it's going to feel like a movie theater. You get your ticket, you come in, you sit down, you watch, you go away. Well, that's not what we want. We don't want a movie theater, we want a family. And so what I propose to you is this. In the first hour, if you can, if you can do, if you can in any way possible, show up in the first hour and be part of a small church. If you can't, do it the other way. Worship in here and be a part of a small church in the second hour or find a life group or find a serving team or something. But if you're sitting now, I'm not calling you out because I can't see you, Josh. But if you're sitting in the back row, for the most part, I can't see you. Like my vision with these lights and everything else stops about somewhere middle or in between. So if you come week after week and all of a sudden you don't, I'll have no idea. I won't know if you get sick or if you get hurt or if I'm supposed to call you or follow up or be your pastor or be your friend. I'll have no idea. But if you're signed up to serve in children's ministry and you don't show up for the nursery, you can bet you'll be getting a call. (laughs) You got to understand when you're part of a serving group or a ministry team or something smaller, people get to know you. When you're in the big room, it's a lot harder. And I know that's difficult. But if you want to feel like you know people, you need to connect in some way. And I'm not saying you have to serve in children's ministry. It could be small church or a life group or middle school or whatever. But be involved in something. After our service here, or 
part of, at the end of our service, you're going to see Stephen's ministers. You're going to see care team ministers. There's a lot of different ways you can be involved at Midland Free. And we want you to be involved because it's about Christ and his work and his bride. And we are that. We're that. We are the ones he gave his life for. Previously, it said, for you, like for you, Jesus died. And so what that means is he really wants you to be a part of this. I know there's a lot of good organizations out in the community, and I'm not downplaying any other nonprofits or anything like that, but Jesus gave his body and blood for his bride, the church, and that's the means he's going to use to save the world. Nothing else. Need to be a part. So if you want to love, if you want to grow as a Christian, the very first thing you have to do is love one another. And one another means here. means here at Midland Free, being a part of the body. Join a small church, volunteer, be consistent, smile, get to know their name, show someone you care. Number one, love. Amen? Ready for another one? Okay, one more. Number two, the second key ingredient So the first one is love. The second key ingredient we find is like love. First two letters are the same, but a little different. First Peter chapter one, verse or chapter two, verse two, first Peter two, two says this like here's a slide. I think like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Long for the pure spiritual milk. The first command in this chapter is love. The second is long. If you get nothing else from this sermon, you go home and you talk to your mom or dad or later, and they say, what's the sermon about? All you have to say, Julia or anybody else who's listening, all you have to say is love and long. Love and long. Love and long, and you got the whole sermon. Love others and long for the word. Why is it important to long for the word? Well, The analogy that Peter uses here is that of milk and infants. So let me be really careful how I talk about this because I got a few chuckles in the first service and I know it didn't roll out quite the way I intended it to go. But what he's saying is, look, here's here's the Apostle Paul and he's or sorry, there's two apostles. There's two apostles who use this analogy, but they use it differently. Paul says you should have moved beyond elementary things, and he calls that milk, and moved into um, more deeper truths, and he calls that meat. But Peter is, and so milk in Paul's usage is somewhat um, small. But for Peter, it's actually milk is a good thing. And what he's saying is this, is just like infants need milk, you need the word of God. In other words, I don't know if you've ever had children or not. If you have, great. If you haven't, that's okay too. God loves you no matter what. But if you've had children, and it's in any time recent, I know things change, but one of the first things they do, if your baby comes out and it's breathing, about the next thing they do is say, this is where I got stuck in the first one. Feed it. There we go. I think I said hook up in the first service. didn't work it's like it's time baby eat hang on it's time to get your nourishment if the baby is breathing if the baby is healthy then the very first thing it's going to need are fluids 
and sustenance. And they, they try to get that baby to latch on right away. And if it doesn't, the lactician's coming in the room and the nurses are doing this and that. And they're working hard. And they're in very, very intentional because for a baby, milk is not a fringe benefit. Do you understand that? For, for a baby, milk is not a fringe benefit. It is an absolute necessity. If it doesn't have it, it will grow and it will, it will not grow and it will be in big trouble. Guess what, Christian? If you don't have the word of God, you will not grow and you will be in big trouble. It is not a fringe benefit. The Bible is not optional for a Christian. If you're a Christian and you believe in Christ Jesus, you need to be in his word. This is how you taste and see that he is good. This is how he communicates to you is through his word. Christ is the word made flesh. You can't separate the two. If you want Jesus, you've got to get to him through the Bible. And if you want to go to the Bible, you'll get Jesus. It is absolutely essential for the Christian to be in the word of God. So let me show you how much more so. Let me give you a very clear example. First Peter chapter one, verse 23. This is the section we're in today. It says this. Look at this. You were born again. How? Through the miraculous preaching of Pastor Jeremy. No. No. You were born again because someone loved you into the kingdom of God. No. Not that. Actually, not even that. How will they call on him whom they've never heard? How were you born again? You were born again through the living and abiding word of God. The Bible is actually the agency, the means by which God communicates and imparts his truth to us. We are born again through the living word of God. It is so important that this is the thing that God plants in your heart and waters with his spirit and causes it to germinate and grow. This is the thing that changes you. This is the thing that grows you. This is the thing that refines you. It's his word. That is why in he, or here in Peter, it's called living and abiding and, and Hebrews calls it this in Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and even the very intentions of our hearts. It's magical. Look, I know there's all this stuff out there nowadays about, um, you know, Harry Potter or mystical stuff or spells or bewitched or whatever. And all that is, is the enemy trying to make himself look cool. Like if you know these certain words and you say them in a just right way, then all of a sudden, wham, boom, bang, you're going to have power. It was the same way way back then in the Bible. But what the Bible is actually saying to you is there are power in words, but it is not our own. It is in fact these words, these words themselves that are living, they are moving They are breathing. They are active. They are powerful. They are dynamic. They are not static little ink dots on the page, but they are something that God says. And when God says something, it happens. 
You can hocus pocus all you want and it may or may not happen. But when God says it, it happens. Guaranteed. And this is what he said. And so it will happen. When God says, let there be light, there's light. And when God says, come alive, we are. And therefore, it's through the living and abiding word of God that we are born again. It's important. Amen? Okay, so let's go into one other word that it uses here as well. It says that it's imperishable, imperishable. And that's why I have the charts up here this morning. I need someone to help me. I have a volunteer in mind. I need someone with good handwriting. Adam Peterson, are you willing to come help me? All right. Adam's good with these charts. I've seen him do this before. He loves charts. I've even got your Sharpie for you. All right. Oh, you got one. Okay, good. All right. Adam's handwriting is so good that on graph paper, it looks like calligraphy. No pressure. You ready? All right. So I need um, one word on this sheet and then one word on this sheet. And um, this sheet is going to be perishable, like perishable. Yes. P-E-R. P-E-R. There we go. Perishable. And the other one is imperishable. All right. We got it. Perishable and imperishable. And while he's writing those words, I want to ask you this question. What we're going to do is we're going to give Adam a good workout. We're going to have him going back and forth maybe, or we'll keep him on one. But we want to compare what, what we believe are perishable things to what we believe are imperishable things. So we can just shout him out. We'll see how fast he can write. Let's start with perishable. Ready? What's perishable? Go. Milk, all right? What else? All right, bananas, very perishable. Money. <laughs> Avocados, good. What else? What'd you say? Cars. Cars, absolutely. They could be perishing in our parking lot as we speak. They are rusting away with the salt right now. Yeah. Body. All right, keep them going. I like watching Adam work. Clothes. Oh, okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. Any others? Is that all the perishable? What? iPhones. iPhones. They're quickly perishable, aren't they? Candy? All right. Batteries. School and batteries. Very good. All right. Uh-oh. Did somebody say job? Yeah. Sorry. All right. One more. What was it? Energy. There we go. Absolutely. Good Good finish on that one. I'm sure there's a lot more. We could put... Uh, here, Adam, let's just put like... Uh, do we have money up there? Money? We got money. We have... Homes or something. Yeah, let's put our homes. We got our cars. How about um, vacations? Let's put, they don't last at all, do they? No. Vacations. Movies? Movies. We'll do movies. Yep, relationships. 
Mich- yeah. Good. I need to see who said that. That was good. Okay, good. Michigan Roads. Got you got it. All right. So those are very, very perishable. Let's move over here to imperishable. What is imperishable? I'm sorry? Still couldn't hear it. Jesus. We got that one. Okay. Jesus is imperishable. What else? The word of God. Okay. Faith. Love and salvation. Our inheritance. Ooh, bonus points. Here you go. Good. What? Hope. Oh, I did hear that. Someone said Twinkies. <laughs> you can write it down. I don't. Yeah. Twinkies. All right. You know what the only two imperishable foods on the planet are? One is Twinkies. The other, honey. Exactly right. Those are the two things that will never decay. So fill your basements and be ready. All right. Um, anything else that's imperishable? Your spirit or your soul? Okay, what did we say? Truth. All right, that'll do us for now, I think, Adam. Well done. I'm glad you dressed nice today, too, yeah, by the way. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you never know when you'll be up here with me. Um, now, thinking about these things, I was... I would really appreciate this. This helps me a lot because um, we have a lot of stuff going on in our lives. And some of this we can't avoid. Like we have to take care of our house. We have to make money to buy food. We have to have cars to go places or some sort of transportation, energy. We've got to live. Our bodies, they break down. There's so many things going on here. And yet what I realize is this, is these things often try to crowd out these things. And these things often take more of our attention. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, where am I spending my time? Is it on this side? Or is it on this side? Where am I spending the bulk of my energy, my emotion, my affection? And even if the reality is, look, we have to sleep and that's X number of hours and we have to work in X number of hours. So quantitatively, this would be more. But realistically, where are our hearts? What is it I desire? What is it I think about? What is it that gets me up in the morning and the first thing I go to? Is it this? Or is it this? Where are my priorities? As I look at these things, I quickly get convicted and I could perhaps even affinitize or bring this together and say, basically, there's two things over here that are imperishable. You know what they are? People and the word of God. Two things, people and the word of God. And if that's the case, then what we see is First Peter is telling us, Love and long. Love people and long for the word of God. And if you do that, then you are spending the bulk of your time on the imperishable. 
I know it's not easy to direct our hearts. In fact, because we're so involved in these things, they often overwhelm us. And here's what we have to do. The Bible says basically on some of these things, we have to put them to death. That's what Colossians says. Just put it to death. Like some of these things, you have to go cold turkey. You just say, I'm not going to do that or think about that or participate in that this week. Why? Because ironically enough, the more you feed these appetites, the more they grow. You would think that if I have an appetite and I feed it, that it will be fulfilled. But actually the opposite is true. On these fleshly desires, the more we feed them, the more we grow. Let's say we want money. We want a million dollars. And if I got a million dollars, I'd be fulfilled. And I make a million dollars. And all of a sudden, what do I want? Two million dollars. Exactly right. If I get this one baseball card, if I get this one football card, if I get this one bit of outdoor gear, if I get this one golf club, if I get this one whatever, and all of a sudden you get it, and next year, they make a new one and a better one. And mine's not so cool anymore. And I want that one. When we go after this, our desires only grow. And so the only way to stop that is to cut it off. And here we're like, well, I may not even have any desire for the word. But the word is a, a uh, acquired taste. What do I mean by that? Well, there's a lot of different ways in which you can enjoy the milk of the word of God. You can get in in a simple way and listen to it on an audio, podcast, cassette, tape, CD, whatever you use these days. You can read it for yourself. You can get it delivered in your inbox. You can do it in all different kinds of ways. But you have to do something. And once you do, once you start taking in that word, all of a sudden that desire begins to grow and you feel it and it changes you. Because it's living, it's active, it's abiding, it's imperishable, and it's changing you from the inside out. In some way, you absolutely must get the word of God into your life. And I'm not actually even talking about sermons now. I'm not talking about devotionals. I'm not talking about good Christian books or good Christian music. I'm talking about the Bible itself. The pure, unadulterated word of God. Everything else is diluted. But this is the most potent and powerful stuff you have to change your life. If you want to grow... What are the two key ingredients as a Christian that you absolutely have to have? Number one, love for one another. Number two, a longing for the word of God. First Peter chapter one, beginning verse 22 says this, having purified your souls by the obedience to the truth for a sincere and brotherly love. Love one another. Honestly. Earnestly and from a pure heart. Chapter 2, verse 2 says, Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk of the word, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Father, we thank you and praise you for your son Jesus and his word. He is the word made flesh, and we're thankful that uh, you communicate him to us through it. 
We pray, God, that you would continue to change our hearts, change our desires, change our minds, priorities, our emphasis, everything we do, Lord, so that it will be on you and you alone. Thank you for providing our homes and our families and our food. And we pray that we would trust you for that provision. As we go throughout this week trying to work towards those things, that you continue to sanctify us and glorify your son. In whose name we pray. Amen.